You're listening to Kalam Institute's podcast series, Sira, Life of the Prophet, by Sheikh Abdul Nasir Jangda. Visit us on the web at kalaminstitute.org or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash kalaminstitute. Bismillah wa alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Inshallah continuing with our lesson on the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam In the previous session we started talking about the Prophet of Allah sallallahu journey throughout the seven heavens, the seven skies And when we left off the Prophet of Allah sallallahu had crossed through the fifth sky or the fifth heaven As-Sama'ul Khamisa and a couple of the things that we made a special note of to keep in mind as we talk about, you know, the sixth and the seventh sky on the journey of Al-Isra Al-Mi'raj. A couple of things to keep in mind is number one, as the Prophet ﷺ approaches each and every single one of the skies, there's this whole exchange that occurs. Jibreel ﷺ requests permission to enter, to pass through. He's asked, who is this? He says, Jibreel. He's asked, who is with you? He says, Muhammad ﷺ. Then he is asked, has he been made a messenger and a prophet? Jibreel ﷺ responds in the affirmative, yes he has. And then the Prophet ﷺ is given a grand welcome and an entrance into that particular sky and on each of the skies he meets with a prophet and a messenger who very um, you know beautifully and very warmly receives the Prophet and welcomes the Prophet of Allah and after which you know there's some type of an exchange and the Prophet proceeds from there so one of the things that we talked about was this same exchange occurs at, at the gate of each and every single sky as to provide like kind of the red carpet the grand entrance a grand welcome for the Prophet the malaika the angels are lined up for the honor and the prestige of being able to see and welcome the Prophet each of the Prophets very warmly and, and respectfully receives and welcomes the Prophet and then not only that, one of the interesting things is that each of the Prophets is surrounded by some of their followers and this is to let us know that this is what we work for and we pray for that may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provide us the company of the Prophet in, in the hereafter as well. So it goes on to mention, ثُمَّ سَاعِدَا إِلَى السَّمَاءِ السَّادِسَ So as I said before, this is the journey of Al-Isra Al-Mi'raj, the second part of the journey, Al-Mi'raj, which literally means the ascension into the heavens. Then, the, then Jibreel and the Prophet ascend into the sixth sky. فَاسْتَفْتَحَ Jibreel Jibreel requests permission to enter. قِيلَ مَنْ هَذَا He's asked, who is this? قَالَ Jibreel. He says, this is Jibreel. قِيلَ وَمَنْ مَعَكَ Who is with you? قَالَ مُحَمَّدٌ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ He says, this is Muhammad وسلم, with me. قِيلَ أَوَقَدْ أُرْسِلَ إِلَيْهِ He's asked, has he been made a messenger? قَالَ نَعَمْ He says, yes, he has been made a messenger. At that time, the angels, they say, قِيلَ مَرْحَبًا بِهِ وَأَهْلًا حَيَّاهُ اللَّهُ مِنَا خِنْ وَمِنْ خَلِيفَةٍ that welcome, welcome to this dignified messenger. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him the best of brothers and the best of successors. فَنِعْمَ الْأَخْ وَنِعْمَ الْخَلِيفَ وَنِعْمَ الْمَجِيءِ جَاءَ And he is the best visitor that could have ever visited us. فَفُتِحَ لَهُمَا The gate is open for both of them. فَجَعَلَ يَمُرُّ بِالنَّبِيِّ وَالنَّبِيِّينَ مَعَهُمْ الرَّهْتِ 
والنبي والنبيين معهم القوم والنبي والنبيين ليس معهم أحد Then the Prophet ﷺ mentioned something very interesting on the sixth sky, the sixth heaven. The Prophet ﷺ passes by and he sees a messenger and some other messengers and with them is a huge group of people. Huge. Like an army of people. Then he passes by and he is able to see some a prophet and some prophets and with them is a group of people. More like a tribe is with them. Then he sees a prophet in a group of, or some prophets and there is not a single person with them. And this is something that the Prophet ﷺ in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad, <clears throat> the Prophet ﷺ elaborates on this, that on the night, on the journey of Al-Isra Al-Mi'raj, I saw some prophets who had an army of people with them. I saw some prophets who had, you know, a tribe or so, you know, or, or the equivalent of followers with them. I saw some prophets that had, you know, a few dozen followers. I saw some prophets who had 10 followers. And then he even says, I saw some prophets who had one or two or three followers with them. And I, then it goes on to say, and I saw some prophets, لَيْسَ مَعَهُمْ أَحَدٌ Not a single follower was with them. But that did, did not take away from the fact that they were prophets, they were messengers, and they worked hard. And they sacrificed for the sake of preaching and teaching the religion of Allah. And so the Prophet ﷺ is being shown this to remind him of the fact that whether there are thousands or hundreds or dozens or no followers at all, it does not take away from, from the fact that you are a prophet of Allah, you preach the word, the kalam, the deen of Allah, and you need to keep doing what you're doing because the number of followers is irrelevant. These are all dignified, prestigious messengers and prophets of Allah. ثُمَّ مَرَّ بِوَادٍ عَظِيمٍ قَدْ سَدَّ الْأُفُقِ Then the Prophet ﷺ mentions that he passed by a huge valley that was as far as the eye could see, all the way into the horizon. مِنْ ذَا الْجَانِبُ وَمِنْ ذَا الْجَانِبُ whether he looked this way or he looked that way, it extended so far as far as the eye could see until they reached the horizon on both sides. It was a huge valley just full of people. فَقِيلَ لَهُ And the Prophet ﷺ looked at this huge, you know, number, just this, this horde of human beings. And the Prophet ﷺ was told, فَقِيلَ لَهُ He said to him, هَؤُلَاءِ أُمَّتُكَ This is your ummah. This is the sheer number of your followers in your ummah. And we see that manifest today in the world we live in today. Nearly two billion people who believe in La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. And then he said, And there will be 70,000 special people, exclusive people, from this huge number of your followers that will be entered into paradise with no accounting, no reckoning, no nothing. They will be given open, free, immediate access into the gardens of paradise. And so again, to pause here real quickly, there's a profound lesson in this. First and foremost, we need, the lesson we need to take from this is that when we serve in the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when we you know, are working for the deen of Allah, then the result, which is oftentimes our gauge of the success, of an effort is something that is irrelevant from a spiritual Islamic perspective. But at the same time, at the same time we find comfort, we find strength, we find conviction in the fact 
that the Prophet of Allah is being shown on the night of Al-Isra Al-Mi'raj that the largest gathering of any human beings on the Day of Judgment from all the Prophets will be the gathering of the Ummah of the Prophet And we belong to that Ummah. And that's what gives us the confidence that we have. That's what we find strength and conviction in. فَلَمَّا خَلَّصَا Then when they had basically completed this entire tour, فَإِذَا بِمُوسَى إِبْنِ Imran, Then the Prophet ﷺ came upon Musa salam. رَجُلٌ آدَمٌ طِوَالٌ Musa salam was a very, you know, imposing man. He was a very imposing man in his appearance, and he was very tall, very imposing. He had this presence about him. كَأَنَّهُمْ مِنْ رِجَالِ شَنُوءَ it was as if he belonged to the tribe of Shanua. The tribe of Shanua, this was a tribe that was in Yemen. And the Prophet ﷺ said this to give the Sahaba some type of a reference point. That you know those men that visited us from the tribe of Shanua, remember how imposing they were, how tall and big and broad-shouldered they were? And the Sahaba said, yes. He said, that's the closest example I can find to describe Musa ﷺ. salam. Kathiru shar Musa salam had a lot of hair, not only just long hair, but he had like a lot of hair, like a full head of hair and long hair. Even if he was wearing two shirts, even if he was wearing two upper garments, his hair would still flow out onto his upper garment. So he had very long hair like that. And that was part of you know, the imposing figure, the presence of Musa salam. فَسَلَّمَ عَلَيْهِ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ فَرَدَّ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ The Prophet ﷺ gives salam to Musa ﷺ and Musa ﷺ returns the salam of the Prophet ﷺ. After that Musa ﷺ greets and welcomes, honors and dignifies the Prophet ﷺ as a guest, particularly a guest as prestigious as the Prophet ﷺ, he is, should be dignified. مَرْحَبًا بِالْأَخِ الصَّالِحِ وَالنَّبِيِّ الصَّالِحِ ثُمَّ دَعَالَهُ بِخَيْرِ He welcomes the Prophet ﷺ and then he makes lots of dua for him. وَقَالَ يَزْعُمُ النَّاسِ أَنِّي أَكْرَمُ عَلَى اللَّهِ مِنْ هَذَا He says, it is the way that he says it show, you know, expresses shock and astonishment. Musa says, it is shocking that people actually perceive, people would actually think that I am more dignified or honorable in the eyes and the sight of Allah than this man. بَلْهَذَا أَكْرَمُ عَلَى اللَّهِ مِنِّي Rather, this man is way more dignified and honorable in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than myself. فَلَمَّا جَاوَزَهُ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمَ بَكَا When the Prophet had finished his exchange with Musa alayhi salam, Musa alayhi salam began to cry, he shed tears. فَقَالَ لَهُ مَا يُبْكِيكَ Someone said to Musa alayhi salam, what makes you cry? He said, أَبْكِي لِأَنَّهُ لَا مَنْ بُعِثَ مِنْ بَعْدِ يَدْخُلُ الْجَنَّةَ مِنْ أُمَّتِهِ أَكْثَرْ مِمَّا يَدْخُلُ الْجَنَّةَ مِنْ أُمَّتِهِ He says, because this young man who was sent as a messenger long after me, more people from his ummah will enter into paradise than the number of people that will enter from my ummah. وَيَزْعُمُ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ أَنِّي أَكْرَمُ بَنِي آدَمَ عَلَى اللَّهِ and Banu Israel, the people of Banu Israel continue to think that I am the most honorable of the slaves of Allah in the eyes of Allah. وَهَذَا رَجُلْ مِنْ بَنِي آدَمْ خَلَفِي فِي الدُّنْيَا 
that in this man from Banu Adam, this man from human beings, he comes after me in the dunya, but I will be behind him in the akhirah. If he was just going into paradise before me, I wouldn't mind. Because even I recognize his status. This is Muhammad Rasulullah But rather he will take all of his ummah into paradise as well. And this is what weighs so heavy on me that I feel bad for my people and the fact that my people don't recognize this. The people who claim to follow me, the people who claim to respect me and dignify me and honor me, they don't recognize this and realize this. ثُمَّ سَعِدَ And then the journey continued on. فَلَمَّا إِنْتَهَيَا إِلَى السَّمَاءِ السَّابِعَةِ Then when Jibreel alayhi salam and the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa Muhammad rasulullah, peace and blessings be upon him, when they reached the seventh sky, رَآ فَوْقَهُ رَعْدًا وَبَرْقًا وَصَوَاعِقٍ The Prophet ﷺ saw above him, you know, lightning and thunder and, you know, it was a very uh, breathtaking and powerful scene. فَاسْتَفْتَحَ جِبْرِيلٍ Jibreel ﷺ again requests permission. He's asked, who is this? He says, Jibreel. He's asked, who is with you? He responds again, Muhammad ﷺ. He's again asked, has he been made a messenger? He says, yes. Again, the Prophet ﷺ is welcomed and honored and dignified. فَفُتِحَ لَهُمَا The gates of the seventh sky are open for them. فَسَمِعَ تَسْبِيحًا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ الْعُلَىٰ مَعَ تَسْبِيحٍ كَثِيرٍ The Prophet ﷺ hears the praise and the glorification of Allah going on throughout the heavens. And it was going on in great abundance. سَبَّحَتِ السَّمَاوَاتُ مِنْ ذِي الْمَهَابَةِ مُشْفِقَاتِ All the skies were ringing with the praise and the glorification of Allah. سُبْحَانَ الْعَلِيِّ الْأَعْلَى سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى That they could hear these praises of Allah. That the, 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 how absolutely perfect is the highest and the most exalted. How absolutely perfect is he, and how exalted is he? Subhana al-Ali al-A'la, Subhanahu wa Taala. فلما خلصا فإذا النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بإبراهيم رجل أشمت جالس عند باب الجنة على كرسي مسند ظهره إلى إلى البيت المعمور. Then when the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and Jibril عليه السلام they move past this 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 area. Then the Prophet ﷺ is all of a sudden looking at Ibrahim ﷺ. Rajulun Ashmat. Ibrahim ﷺ is a very elderly, dignified looking man. Jalisun inda babil jannah. He's sitting near the gate to paradise. And he's sitting on a chair that has been placed for him. And his back is leaned against Baytul Ma'mur. Baytul Ma'mud, which has been you know, explained in the books of Tafasir, under the Tafsir of Surah Taha, where Allah takes an oath, Wal-Baytul Ma'mud. It's been explained there that this is directly positioned above the Kaaba on the earth. So where the Kaaba on the earth is, directly above that, on the seventh sky, is Al-Baytul Ma'mud. And so that's why some of the scholars even explain that from Al-Ka'ba, Al-Ka'ba Al-Mukarramah, all Al-Ka'ba Al-Sharifah, all the way up to Baytul Ma'mud, this is like a sacred place and a sacred channel. 
And Al-Baytul Ma'mood, just like human beings worship at, a, at the Kaaba, Baytullah Al-Haram, they worship there and they do tawaf around there and they circle there and they go and attend basically. When we go to the Kaaba, what we have to realize is by praying there and doing tawaf there, what we are basically doing, Jazakallah Khair, what we are basically doing is that we are, you know, um, we are presenting ourselves there for attendance. We are presenting ourselves there for attendance before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That, that's why, what do we say? Labbaik. Allahumma labbaik. Right? It's like saying, I am present. Ya Allah, I have presented myself. I have answered the call, Ya Rabb, I have answered the call. So just like we do that on the earth, then at Al-Baytul Ma'mud, that is where the angels go to worship Allah and present themselves. Directly above. And the Prophet ﷺ visited this place on the night of Al-Isra Al-Mi'raj. And Ibrahim is sitting on this chair with his back leaned against Al-Baytul Ma'mur. And at this point in time, there is even a narration that talks about وَمَعَهُ نَفَرٌ مِنْ قَوْمِهِ There were, the, Ibrahim السلام, was surrounded by a group of, from his followers. And I'm trying to find the narration, I had marked it here. Yes. وَإِذَا هُوَ يَدْخُلُهُ كُلَّ يَوْمٍ سَبْعُونَ أَلْفَ مَلَكٍ لَا يَعُودُونَ إِلَيْهِ إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ The rule of Al-Baytul Ma'mur. There are two profound lessons here. The rule of Al-Baytul Ma'mur is that each and every single day, each and every single day, 70,000 angels attend to Al-Baytul Ma'mur to worship there, do tawaf, to pray there, to worship there. And once an angel has had the opportunity and has been called to Al-Baytul Ma'mur to pray there, do tawaf there, and worship there, till the day of judgment, that angel will never get to go there ever again. No angel has prayed at Al-Baytul Ma'mur twice and every day 70,000 angels pray there. We can't even do that type of math. So the two lessons is that tells you, لَا يَعْلَمُ جُنُودُهُ إِلَّا هُ Right? Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Qur'an, only Allah knows the army of Allah. Only Allah knows that the army of angels that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, only Allah knows how many there are. Nobody knows. So just imagine 70,000 unique angels, new angels every single day, attend Al-Baytul Ma'mur, never to attend there ever again till the Day of Judgment. Sheer number of angels that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, makes you think and reflect. And that is a sign of the greatness of Allah. Allah created all of them. He maintains and sustains all of them. They all fear Him and pray to Him and bow before Him and are obedient to Him. So imagine the greatness of Allah who is such a Lord and a Master and a Creator, that this is the nature of His creation. The second thing that this also makes us think about and reflect upon is, that Al-Baytul Ma'mur is like the Kaaba of the angels, and it is such an honorable, prestigious, amazing, miraculous place, magnificent place, that an angel in its entire life, existence, lifespan, which could be millennia, Wallahu Ta'ala A'lam, Right? It could be, it could span millennia that in its entire existence, an angel only gets to go there once. And many of us get to visit the Kaaba multiple times. Allah did not place such a restriction on us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted us the ability, the opportunity. 
بتوفيق الله تعالى of course but Allah granted us allowed us kept the door open for us to potentially visit the Kaaba multiple times so think about the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam comes upon Ibrahim alayhi salam and he's sitting there leaning against this magnificent place Al-Baytul Ma'mood this breathtaking place and when the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam approaches, then of course the Prophet recognizes him. فَسَلَّمَ عَلَيْهِ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ One of the narrations even says, وَهُوَ أَشْبَهَ بِوَلَدِهِ مِنْهُ The Prophet was the most similar looking to Ibrahim from the entire progeny of Ibrahim so the Prophet resembled Ibrahim so much that just by looking at the two of them, you could recognize that they have a connection. That he is from the progeny of him. So the Prophet looks at him, recognizes him, and is just so honored to be in his presence. The Prophet of Allah gives salam to Ibrahim. Ibrahim responds to the uh, salam of the Prophet and then he says, Marhaban bin Nabi Salih wal Ibn Salih. And that's why he didn't say Al-Akhis Salih. Like all the other prophets said, welcome, welcome to the righteous prophet and the righteous brother, our good brother. But Ibrahim salam says, welcome, welcome to the good prophet and the good son, the righteous son. And at that time, the prophet of Allah, Ibrahim salam says to the prophet salam, that Aqri ummataka minni as-salam. That give, deliver my salam to your ummah, to your followers. Ibrahim sends his salam to us on the night of, uh, of Al-Isra Al-Mi'raj through the Prophet to all of us. That give my salam, deliver my salam to your entire ummah. And then he says, وَأَخْبِرْهُمْ أَنَّ الْجَنَّةَ طَيِّبَةُ التُرْبَةُ عَذْبَةُ الْمَاءُ Tell them that paradise, Jannah, is very, very, has very good fertile soil and has very sweet water. وَأَنَّ غِرَاسَهَا سُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ وَالْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ وَلَا إِلَهِ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ أَكْبَرُ And let them know that the way that they can plant trees in paradise is by saying, SubhanAllah, Alhamdulillah, La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. One narration, he goes on to say, وَلَا حَوْلَ وَلَا قُوَّةَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ الْعَلِيِّ الْعَظِيمِ That tell them to say this, فَأَكْثِرُوا مُرْ أُمَّتَكَ فَلْيَكْثِرُوا Tell, command your ummah that they should say this abundantly. Because this will plant trees. All throughout. Because the earth, the land of paradise is very vast, beyond your imagination. But its soil is very fertile. And they can plant as much as they want, simply by saying this. Then the Prophet ﷺ notes, وَعِنْدَهُ قَوْمٌ جُلُوسٌ بِيضُ الْوُجُوهِ أَمْثَالُ الْقَرَاطِيسِ Then sitting with Ibrahim السلام, were a people and their faces were radiant, glowing, like crystal glows. وَقَوْمٌ فِي أَلْوَانِهِمْ شَيْءٌ But there were some other people whose faces were kind of mixed. It's an expression in Arabic saying it was kind of mixed. Their faces were like shaded. And so, فَقَالَ هَؤُلَاءِ لِهَؤُلَاءِ الَّذِينَ فِي أَلْوَانِهِمْ شَيْءٌ 
Then it was said to those people whose faces were kind of shaded, فَدَخَلُوا نَهْرًا فَاغْتَسَلُوا فِيهِ فَخَرَجُوا Then they were told to go and enter into a, a stream that was flowing there and basically bathe in it, wash themselves in it. And when they exited from that stream, قَدَ خَلَصَتْ أَلْوَانُهُمْ Their faces had become radiant. Just like the other people that were sitting there, فَصَارَتْ مِثْلَ أَلْوَانِ أَصْحَابِهِمْ فَجَاءُوا فَجَلَسُوا إِلَىٰ أَصْحَابِهِمْ And then they came and rejoined the company of Ibrahim السلام, and these other dignified believers. فَقَالَ يَا جِبْرِيلِ مَنْ هَؤُلَاءِ الْبِيضُ الْوُجُوهُ وَمَنْ هَؤُلَاءِ الَّذِينَ فِي أَلْوَانِهِمْ شَيْءٌ وَمَا هَذِهِ الْأَنْهَارَ الَّتِي دَخَلُوا فِيهَا so the Prophet said, Jibreel, tell me, who are these two groups of people? What is this stream that they just basically, you know, washed themselves in? Jibreel tells them, That these people whose faces were so radiant and pure, these are the people who had not diluted their iman, their faith, their belief with any type of sin or wrongdoing. These are people who lived extremely devout lives. And these people whose faces were kind of shaded, these were the people who mixed. They had some good deeds, they had some sins. Which is the majority of us. But the distinguishing factor was فَتَابُوا فَتَابَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ They repented to Allah so Allah accepted their repentance. And that's why they were provided this opportunity to wash themselves in the stream and attain that same, achieve that same purity that the other group of people had. وَأَمَّا هَذِي الْأَنْهَارِ فَأَوَّلُهَا رَحْمَةٌ وَالثَّانِي نِعْمَةٌ وَالثَّالِثٌ وَسَقَاهُمْ رَبُّهُمْ شَرَابًا طَهُورًا That these streams that these people were washing themselves in, the first of them was the mercy of Allah, the second was the blessing of Allah, the third was what Allah refers to in the Quran, وَسَقَاهُمْ رَبُّهُمْ شَرَابًا تَهُورًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give them a beautiful drink. Allah will give them a pure and beautiful drink. And this was basically what this was representative of. So this, the Prophet saw all of this and he observed all of this. And then one of the narration goes on to even mention, then the Prophet actually prayed at Al-Baytul Ma'mur. He was given the dignity, the opportunity to pray at Al-Baytul Ma'mur. And so again, some of the lessons that we learn here is that Ibrahim salam, after welcoming the Prophet salam, one of the things that the Prophet salam, sees here is this you know, categorization of people. There are some people who have that exemplary, the very high level taqwa and wara and that type of God consciousness and you know God fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they were able to live their lives in an extremely, extremely pure manner. But there were other people who had mixed deeds. But the, again, the important thing to note here is that they repented to Allah and Allah accepted their repentance. And they were able to, they were granted the same dignity and honor of those people who lived an extremely pure life. And that is not to do any injustice to those people who lived a pure life. They will have their own virtue. But it is to establish the fact that if we cannot be perfect, that's fine. That's not what we've been asked to do. But what we have been told to do is to constantly turn back to repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to turn back to Allah, and to remind ourselves of our shortcomings, and to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us for our shortcomings. And that's why the nasih had the advice of the Prophet ﷺ was, اتق الله حيثما كنت That 
You know, be conscious of Allah wherever, however you may be. But then the Prophet ﷺ says that if you ever have any shortcomings, any gaps in that God consciousness, then realize and remember one important thing. That if you do have any shortcomings, you do slip up, then follow a sin with a good deed, it will remove it, it will erase it and eradicate it. So focus on doing good, follow up something bad with something good. And so all of this basically transpires. Um, and the Prophet of Allah ﷺ, he goes on to mention Yes, the Prophet of Allah ﷺ, he mentions now going forward that after crossing through all the seven heavens, the seven skies, finally the Prophet of Allah arrives at a place and it is said to him, That this is a Sidratul Muntaha and each and every single one of your Ummah who, you know, strives to walk down the path that you have laid out for them will reach, their souls will reach this, this exact point and place. Arba'atu anhar. Then there's a there's a few narrations. One of them says that there were four rivers flowing from a Sidratul Muntaha. Nahrani Batinani wa Nahrani Zahiran. That there were two rivers that were more, you know, kind of hidden. They were flowing from underneath. And there were four two rivers that were flowing more so on top. He asked, what is this? So Jibreel tells him that the two rivers that are flowing kind of from underneath, they are the rivers, they are rivers that go into paradise. And this becomes all the water that we find in paradise that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about in the Quran. Rivers of pure water, rivers of pure milk that will never go sour, rivers of the wine of paradise that will not intoxicate, rivers of the pure, unadulterated honey of paradise that this is basically what develops into that. And the rivers that are flowing on the top of the ground, and these are the anil and al-furat. And some of the scholars explain that this is basically what becomes all the water that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends down upon the earth. And then, فَإِذَا Another narration says, فَإِذَا فِي أَصْلِهَا عَيْنٌ تَجْرِي That there was a spring gushing forth from this point of a Sidratul Muntaha, يُقَالُ لَهَا السَّلْسَبِيلِ this was Salsabil, the spring of Salsabil. And Yanshaku Minha Nahran. Yunshaku Minha Nahran. It was splitting up again into two different streams. Ahaduhuma al Kawthar. One of them was the fountain of Al Kawthar, which was a gift to the Prophet. And the Prophet describes what he saw. He says, Yataridu Ajajan Mithra Sam. That the river of Al-Kawthar, the, the water of Al-Kawthar, excuse me, the water that was coming forth from the spring into the fountain of Al-Kawthar was such that Prophet ﷺ says it was gushing forth. It was rushing forth. Alayhi That on top of this, this, this water that was gushing forth, there, were, there was a tent. 
that was adorned with pearls and rubies and diamonds and different types of gems and beautiful stones. And there were birds that were perched up on top of this tent or this dome that was set up on top of this fountain and they were green birds, the most beautiful birds that you have ever seen. There were cups, goblets made of gold and silver that were surrounding this fountain. And the water, you know like when you build a fountain, you put nice colored stones at the bottom of the fountain and you have clear water so that you can see the design or the stones through the water. So this water was very pure and clean. You could see right through it. But the bottom of the fountain, the Prophet ﷺ describes that they were like rubies and emeralds that were designed at the floor, at the bottom of this fountain that you could see through the water. And the water was extremely white and clear. The Prophet ﷺ picked up one of the cups and the goblets. And he scooped up some of the water. And then the Prophet ﷺ drank from it. And the Prophet ﷺ says it was sweeter than honey. And it had a sweeter fragrance than musk. And when the Prophet ﷺ drank this and he enjoyed it so much, at that time, the Prophet ﷺ doesn't know yet. At that time, Jibreel ﷺ says to the Prophet ﷺ, This is the river, this is the stream, this is the water that your Lord has given to you as a gift. This is a gift that your Lord has given to you. And remember it said that the spring was splitting up into two streams. The other stream, that is the stream of the mercy of Allah. Then after drinking from Al-Gawthar, then the Prophet ﷺ is told, go ahead and wash yourself in this other stream that is the mercy of Allah. And when the Prophet ﷺ washed himself in it, then the announcement was made, All of the sins of the Prophet of Allah ﷺ have been forgiven. Meaning, hypothetically speaking, even if... He was, were to have committed sins, which he has not, he has been protected by Allah. But even if he were to have committed sins, the washing, the bathing in this stream has washed him of any past or future sins that he hypothetically could have ever committed. And you know, just to take a quick pause here, because the Prophet ﷺ describes this beautiful, breathtaking fountain. And such an enjoyable experience that it's very relevant and important for us to make note of the fact that when this gift was given to the Prophet ﷺ, we most definitely without a doubt have given you. We have given you, we have granted to you Al-Kawthar, the fountain of Kawthar. And that's when the Prophet, the Sahaba asked him, Al-Kawthar, Ya Rasulullah, what is Al-Kawthar, O Messenger of Allah? And the Prophet ﷺ gave this description. Referencing back to the night of Al-Sara Al-Mi'raj, this is Kawthar. But when was that gift given to the Prophet of Allah That gift was given to the Prophet at the passing of one of his children. His small, young child, his son. And when the Prophet was going through this emotional struggle of the loss of a child, 
And the enemies of the Prophet ﷺ took that as an opportunity and decided to exploit that tragedy of the Prophet ﷺ. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent this down to console the Prophet ﷺ. Inna that don't listen to them. We have granted you the honor, the dignity, the gift of Al-Kawthar. But not only that, something very interesting, the word Al-Kawthar, many of the scholars, Mufassirun, they tell us that Al-Kawthar, the etymology of the word is that it originates from the root word Kathura. And this is something we'll talk about later in the seerah, but it, since it's come up here in such vivid detail, such, such vivid imagery, I want to explain this, that Kathura. Because see, the surah mentions, in nashani akahua al-abtar. That those people who would say such terrible things about you, they are al-abtar. They are cut off at the root. They are devoid of any mercy or any blessings from Allah. And the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says this, is that when the child of the Prophet ﷺ, the son of the Prophet ﷺ, passed away, the enemies of the Prophet ﷺ taunted the Prophet ﷺ by calling him Al-Abta, cut off. His legacy is discontinued, disconnected. He has no sons to carry on his name. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responded with the word Al-Kawthar Kathura, why the fountain was named that? Did they say you have no legacy? We say you have a huge legacy. We say, they say you have no one to carry on your name. We say that billions upon trillions of people will carry on your name. The most popular name, the most common name in the world today is Muhammad. And there are two billion people on the face of this earth that when the name Muhammad is said, they say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That they pray, they dream, they wish to drink water at the fountain of Kothar from the blessed hands of Rasulullah And the honor and the greatest dignity is that the Prophet will have the pleasure to stand there at the fountain of Kothar. And he will relish the opportunity, he looks forward to the opportunity where he will wait, stand at the fountain of Al-Kothar waiting for his followers to come. And he will scoop up water in these goblets of gold and silver, cups of gold and silver, and serve it with his own blessed Mubarak hands to each and every single one of his followers and offer them a drink of water. And how do we know that the Prophet ﷺ relishes this opportunity? This isn't some task. The Prophet of Allah ﷺ said that if you face any difficulty on the day of judgment, look for me at three places. And one of those three places he said, wait for me, look for me, is that I will be waiting for you at the fountain of Al-Kawthar. You will be tired and fatigued and exhausted by the trial and tribulation, the ahwal, the overwhelming circumstances of the day of judgment. But don't worry, I will be waiting for you at the fountain of Al-Kawthar with a drink of water that will make you forget any, the most severest of thirst. It is such a drink of water, you will never feel thirsty ever again. And so this was the gift that was bestowed upon the Prophet of Allah ﷺ. And this is being shown to him on this night, this journey of Al-Isra al-Mi'raj, at a very turbulent time in his life so that he can see, he can understand that there are great things that await you. That all of this is for a purpose. Everything you've gone through, everything you are going through, everything that you will continue to go through is for a purpose. It's for a reason. That a time will come that all throughout four corners of this world, there will be people, billions of people on the face of this earth that will say, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. That is what your sacrifices will help establish. 
And this will be that opportunity where you will have to interact with these people and welcome these people and see their beautiful, shining, radiant faces as they are overjoyed at the opportunity not only to see you, not only to shake your hand, but to be able to take a drink of water from your blessed hands. And the Prophet ﷺ is such a caring and, and, and you know, merciful and, and uh, compassionate Nabi, Rasul, Shepherd, that the Prophet of Allah will cherish the opportunity to stand there and give us a drink of water. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us all from amongst them. At this point in time, and <clears throat> the Prophet of Allah mentions, and I'll go ahead and stop here and pause here because Salat al Isha is drawing close. In the hadith of Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the Prophet says, At Sidratul Muntaha, Jibreel alayhi salam showed himself in his original actual form to the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi Jibreel alayhi salam used to take a more, you know, a less overwhelming human form for the comfort of the Prophet sallallahu And oftentimes when he would make quick visits to him, it would be in the, in the, the shape, the face of Dihya Kalbi radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who was a very handsome man. But Jibreel alayhi salam here, the Prophet says, I saw him in his actual true physical greatness. And he says, Ra'a Jibreel عند sidra lahu sittu miya janah. Janahun minha qad sadda al-ufuq. Tatanatharu min ajnihatihi at-tahaweel. Ad-dur wal-yaqood mimma la ya'lamuhu illa Allahu ta'ala. That the Prophet ﷺ, Jibreel salam had 600 wings. And he opened one of his wings and it covered the entire horizon. And when he opened one wing, then like gems and rubies and diamonds and everything came flowing out from his wings. Like it was the most beautiful, breathtaking thing I had ever seen. And then the Prophet of Allah ﷺ, from the fountain of Al-Kawthar, he proceeds on forward, حَتَّى إِذَا دَخْلَ الْجَنَّةِ فَإِذَا فِيهَا مَا لَا عَيْنٌ رَأَتْ وَلَا أُذُنٌ سَمِعَتْ وَلَا خَطْرَ عَلَى قَلْبِ بَشَرٍ and then the Prophet ﷺ entered into paradise and there what he saw was what no eyes have ever seen, no ears have ever heard, and no heart could ever comprehend the beauty and the magnificence. And what, this one of the things I always point out about this narration, that when, when the Prophet ﷺ says, وَلَا خَطَرَ عَلَىٰ قَلْبِ بَشَرٍ No human being's heart could ever imagine. No human being's imagination could ever come up with what paradise looked like. Think about our, you know, our generation doesn't have a lot of advantages over the previous generations. But think about, reflect on one thing. Think about in terms of like, you know, CGI and all the things that we kind of, you know, dream up and create and make up. Like, like Avatar, right? Just, just look at some of the scenes that they create in Avatar, what that, what that world and that planet and that whole place looks like. And when we watch it on a, on a TV screen or on a big screen, we're like, wow, that's amazing. I've never seen something so amazing before. But that was dreamt up by. That is the product of a human being's imagination. Imagine the Prophet is saying, Jannah is beyond the capacity of a human being to imagine. So think about what the human mind has come up with. The most you know, fascinating you know, uh, drawing or comic book or video game that the human mind has come up with and paradise is way beyond that. So you just try to even imagine how amazing it must be. 
And then the Prophet of Allah the next narration and the next uh, session will talk about what the Prophet actually sees in paradise. Because he actually gives us a little bit of a description of what he sees. But before we go there, The Prophet saw that on the door of paradise, the gate of paradise, it was written really big. That charity will be multiplied by ten times. وَالْقَرْضُ بِثَمَانِيَةَ عَشَرٍ And when somebody gives another person a loan, when somebody shows generosity and gives loans money to another person, that, the reward of that will be multiplied 18 times. Pay close attention. Charity will be multiplied by 10 times. The reward of giving a loan to another person will be multiplied 18 times. فَقَالَ يَا جِبْرِيل The Prophet ﷺ says, O Jibreel, مَا بَالُ الْقَرْضَ أَفْضَلُ مِنَ الصَّدَقَةِ I don't understand. Why would the reward for giving someone a loan be greater than giving charity? Jibreel ﷺ says, لِأَنَّ السَّائِلْ يَسْأَلْ وَعِنْدَهُ Because Somebody who maybe is asking for something might have something and then they're asking for it and you're giving to them. Somebody who takes a loan, somebody who begs is somebody who, you know, there might be some exceptions, but generally speaking, you know, they are usually in the habit of or they have resigned themselves to this situation where they ask. They beg, they put their hands out in front of people. But somebody who's asking for a loan is someone who's trying hard to still make their own way, to pay their own bills, to take care of themselves. They're running into a little bit of hardship and think about what they must have already done. They've probably sold everything that they own. They, you know, the wife has sold the jewelry. They've sold all their furniture. They've you know, uh, returned their car. They've sold their house and moved into a small little place that they're renting. They've sold this and sold that and done this and done that. They've made so many sacrifices. And after nothing else has worked, they finally have very shyly, embarrassingly, very approached someone, very embarrassed, and asked them, do you think you could give me a little bit of a loan? But I promise I'm going to try to pay it back. Because they're still not asking for a handout. They're saying, give me a little something and I'll still try to pay it back. And so the Prophet Jibreel alayhi salam says, um, So then Jibreel alayhi salam says that taking care of someone like that, helping out someone like that, in such a circumstance, is a greater reward. Because you are not enabling someone's bad habit, but you are encouraging and helping someone find their way out of difficulty and adversity. You know, I hate to make a, present a very specific scenario, but I'll end with this. This is something we really have to think about. Because you know, generally speaking, in, in our communities, there's a culture where sadaqah and charity is okay, we understand. That's a good thing, that's dignified. But if somebody needs a loan, that's something that we are very, you know, skittish about. We are very almost kind of nervous about that. But here the Prophet ﷺ on the night of, of, of the Surah Al-Mi'raj is praising that, seeing the virtues written on that on the gate of Jannah. Here in the United States, in America, 
a lot of times we have a very relevant situation. I was just talking with a couple of uh, you know our brothers and students who you know run this project, Debt Free Muslims, where they educate people on how to manage and money and finances and not live in debt. And talking with them, and I was talking with somebody else um, uh, over the weekend, uh, some brothers who are working actually on some type of an opportunity or a project for the community. But there's a lot of talk a lot of times about student loans and people having to borrow money for school and things like that. These are, we call them our future, our children, our kids. But there has to be a more legitimate option where we are able to pool the resources of our community. And remember, these are people getting a quality education. They're going to be earning money. And for them to be able to earn money down the road, to be able to pay this back and develop some type of a fund where our kids aren't taking interest-bearing loans, they're not indulging, engaging into something that's impermissible in the eyes and the sight of the majority of the scholars... It's something that we really have to think about. And the Prophet ﷺ very beautifully, very relevantly is talking about the virtue of being an asset and a resource to the community. On this miraculous journey of Al-Isra al-Mi'raj saying it is written on the gate of Jannah. That the Prophet of Allah ﷺ, I'll read again, he says, That the reward of sadaqah will be multiplied by ten. But the reward of giving somebody a loan will be multiplied by 18. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always keep, in, keep us in a position to help others. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala utilize us as a resource for the betterment of the community. We'll go ahead and pause here inshallah for Salat al-Isha in next week's session. Then we'll actually talk about the Prophet's journey through paradise and the preview of Jannah that he actually provides to us. Subhanallahi wa bihamdihi. Subhanakallahum bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa ant. نستغفرك ونتوب إليك